Some people have a hard time thinking of anybody but themselves, and it costs them a lot of friends. But some people are totally unwilling to think about or look at themselves, and it costs them just about everything. And instead of having a healthy sense of their own strengths and weaknesses, they're obsessed with what another person is thinking. What are they doing? What are they failing at? I've heard about 20 definitions of, you know, what is codependency in my life. And it's everything from like somebody who's too dependent, which it's, that's not what it is. Or it's someone who gets wrapped up in alcoholics and addicts. And sometimes that's what it is. People pleasing, definitely a part of it. But what I see it as is a person who loses their sovereignty over themselves. They lose their sense that they own and direct their own lives. And they shove all that to the side in a vague cloud, their identity, their hopes, their problems. And they become overly focused you know, to a sick degree on someone else's problems or what they perceive the other person's problems to be, problems that might not even exist, right? But codependents are absolutely convinced that if the other person would stop having that problem, then they could feel happy at last. Problem's not in here, they think. It's, it's in you, it's out there. And you know, how can you not change when you know how much I need you to be this idea of you that I created? how you should be, your potential, right? Are you really gifted at seeing other people's potential? I used to have a real superpower for that too. I see the potential. I could be awesome if you would change this person I imagine you to be because I just really believe in your potential. <laughs> it's a way to avoid looking at yourself and it can get pretty bad. It's futile. It's a waste of precious life force that you could use to have a meaningful and useful life. But all of that falls away. Whether you're trying to get a partner to be kind and loving, which is a good goal, or you're trying to get a parent to finally validate you or apologize to you, or you're trying to get your adult kid to basically, you know, share your values, be like you. But which I don't know, we may not wish that on them because if you're like most codependents, chances are good that you're worn out, you are unfulfilled, you're probably broke, you're lonely, you're discovering that neglect of yourself while you were focusing on other people is a pretty unhappy lot in life. Now there's usually a lot of hurt and anger driving codependent behavior. And the irony is that focusing on some idea of others is actually quite self-centered because pressuring people to be like you or, or, or how you imagine they could be, it's the opposite of being present with them. It's the opposite of witnessing them. It's definitely not love. Nagging and scolding is not love. And so often people with codependent tendencies end up without love in their lives. It's very common for people who were hurt by neglect and abuse when they were kids, but it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to control your life. So how do you know if you're being codependent or if someone in your life is getting all codependent on you? Let's talk about some signs. These are some things I've noticed codependent people do. All right. Codependent people second guess themselves when they feel like they've been mistreated, a little loop kicks in and makes them distort what they're seeing. And so instead of thinking, ah, you know what? I don't accept this. They instead think that person needs to change so that I don't feel hurt. 
And instead of accepting other people, and accepting, by the way, it doesn't mean that you condone bad behavior. Accepting people just means you see things how they are and you realize that's how they are. And you don't put all your effort into trying to make other people be different. You accept that's how they are. So instead of setting a boundary, walking away from people who you accept do not meet your standards, then you end up holding on tighter or maybe even like seizing on that person. Because leaving for a lot of people with PTSD, it doesn't feel like an option. That abandonment wound makes it, it makes leaving a relationship feel like, you know, one step lighter than death, just very hard to do. And so a codependent will end up pushing and pushing and pushing to convince the other person, you have to change, you must change what you're doing. They don't think that's what they're doing, of course. They think that what they're doing is, you know, her encouraging, helping, right? And if the other person doesn't want to change or be helped, then the codependent increases the pressure. Again, they don't leave, but they stay and the pressure starts to go up and up and it can come out at the extremes of like shame and threats and manipulation. You know, I'll leave you, I'll hurt myself, I'll tell everybody what you did. Now, if you've been with somebody who does this kind of thing, makes threats, you probably once, you know, reacted to it, then you stopped taking it seriously, then you kind of shut down to the person. Threats are very destructive to relationships. Sometimes people do mean it when they make threats, and that's very serious, but that's not what we're talking about here. Codependents are, are very likely to come to harm for themselves in a gradual manner later in life because of stress, because of anger, and very significantly because of a lack of self-care. They're starved for self-care. If you want a quick way to test your own self-care, look in your underwear drawer. Is everything old and tattered and shoved in there and ugly and shameful for you? That is what a lack of self-care looks like. You want to know an easy way to be self-caring about underwear? Go down to Target and you can get six nice pairs, nice colors for 10 or 12 bucks. That is self-care. Same goes for regular dental visits. Same goes for paying your taxes on time, keeping your car tidy. Even if your car is cruddy and old, having it tidy inside shows that you care about yourself. When those things are out of order, when there's just a big mess out there, but all the time, instead of working on it, a person is fixated on how some other person or a group of people or a kind of person or the government or their parents did them wrong, and parents might've done them wrong, but if it's like an obsession and it's gone on for decades and it's taking the place of any kind of appropriate self-care, keeping life in order, you know, pursuing happiness. The belief that if someone would change, even a person who hasn't been alive for 20 years is the obstacle. That's like saying, you know, I can't be expected to be happy, not ever. Now, another thing about codependence, they aren't straightforward about their motives. And in fact, I don't think they usually know their motives. They want to feel better, Everybody does, but they have a misunderstanding of what's causing the pain in the first place. And they know that when they ask for what they want, which is for you to change, it doesn't tend to go well. So their criticisms are masked as like, you know, little observations that, you know, you didn't do the thing that you were supposed to do. And they'll say it with a really cheerful voice. Oh, you know, and deny that they're pressuring you. But of course we feel each other's energy. You can feel a criticism. Even when it's disguised with a nice little voice, as a nice little comment, you can feel it. And because a codependent can't admit to themselves that they're criticizing, 
it can be crazy making to interact with them on this. You can't really talk it through. You can't solve it really because there's some there's something amiss that's in their head. They think that you can fix it, but it's usually not something you can fix for them. So they remain unhappy. The pressure continues. The motive for a codependent is generally to feel happier, right? But they're working with trauma wounds. And trauma wounds give all of us a blind spot toward what actually can make us happy. In the case of codependents, what a codependent struggles to see is that the happy thing would be to develop themselves, to allow relationships to form naturally with good people who care about them, who show up and gradually give more to the relationship. They don't have to be forced. And it's sad, but a codependent will go through life without ever experiencing that. You know, someone just volunteering to love them. So instead of forming happy relationships, codependents will often attach to dysfunctional people, which offers the opportunity when they're feeling that sadness and emptiness to have something come in and like, you know, sweep away that sadness. And it's that little fixer engine inside of just like, oh, somebody with a problem. I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. And that feels good for them. You know, it, 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 they feel the energy of it and it distracts them from everything that's missing in their own life. Now what's missing in a codependent's life? What's missing is love, connection, financial stability, a vision for their own future. They wait for another person to come along and define those things for them. And if it's not looking good from the outside, it's, it still has something they can use the dysfunctional relationship because it's an opportunity for them to throw their energy into another person's problems rather than to sit there with that energy and face themselves about what's missing and, you know, begin to do something about that. A codependent likes to feel like the responsible one, the wise one, the poor suffering one who holds everything together, even though people have almost never asked them to play this role, but it's how they find meaning. It's a substitute for meaning. So another thing about codependence, the importance they place on seeming to have it all together is huge. And it often prevents them from connecting with people or asking for help when they need help. And I've had my own bitter experience with that, my pride, you know, just feeling uncomfortable asking for help. A codependent finds it hard to admit personal failures and worries, things that most people feel from time to time when they're feeling down. Thoughts like, you know, I'm not really sure anyone really likes me, or I thought I'd be further along in my life than I am right now. That's, that's pretty common. But codependents can't go there. They, they feel pain, they feel anxious about those things, but they'll only be able to see it as something that someone else did or failed to do. They feel like all their relationships just happen to them. They have a hard time seeing that they signed up for most of their relationships. And it's so understandable how a person could develop this aversion to seeing themselves fully. Codependence starts in childhood when external problems may have been so extreme that the person never had a chance to focus on their own life. Or in a lot of cases, they were neglected badly, or this is a big one, criticized by parents, like to the death and they had to buffer themselves from those thoughts that they were so bad just to get through it. And then like the rest of us, there's a need to undo those survival strategies. You can thank your survival strategies for getting you through childhood. You had to figure out some kind of genius to do that, but now it no longer serves you. Survival strategies, if they're getting in the way, it's just time, you know, it's time to start healing them. 
Codependents feel frustrated a lot of the time though because they feel so ineffective. They don't get people to change. Their life projects don't tend to turn out. And when they express themselves, what they say tends to be more what they believe will be effective at making others care or change. There's that distortion, that loop going. So they struggle to just say what they think directly and honestly. And then so they don't get what they want. They, they, they don't have the experience of just letting the chips fall where they may and finding out that it's actually gonna be okay. They don't have to like drive everything or control everything. You might wanna try that sometime, you know, just to express yourself honestly. I'm not talking about hurting people, but just say how you really feel about something and then just let everything, see what happens, just see what happens. And I'll tell you that in my experience, it was a long time ago, very early when I learned my daily practice, the techniques that are very calming that I teach everybody. When I first started doing that, I experimented with the radical proposition that life would not fall apart if I didn't manage everybody. I just kind of had this epiphany that that's what I was doing. I was so afraid that everybody was leaving me that I was kind of working them all the time. I was always being slightly unreal with them, you know, trying to charm them or convince them or guilt trip them. There was always something going on with me. And then I just decided, I don't know if they're gonna leave, they'll just leave and I just kind of relaxed and I was myself and you can imagine you can guess what happened. You know, people came a little closer. Not, it wasn't perfect, but it totally like turned the tide on what at that time in my life had been like a big retreat from people. The tide was going out of people in my life. And then that calmed when I just let people be how they were. That tendency to place all that power in another person, you know, to, to make you happy can be so automatic. Such an unquestioned part of yourself that you can end up doing it when you don't even know you're doing it. Like for example, to somebody you've only been dating for a couple weeks, you know, oh, you're already in there like, you know, trying to affect how they see you and what they think of you. And that may feel natural to you, but it's actually not natural. What's natural is to be yourself and see if somebody sort of is drawn to you. So it's fun at first. It's fun at first to get into kind of a fixer project with somebody before there's any bitterness, before there's any anxiety about getting left. It's like a fun project. Something fun came into your life. It's like making a pinata. <laughs> and then even when you see what you're doing and you want to stop, it's weird. Codependence can feel, it can feel like a force of nature. Like it's always conforming you and your relationships to that same pattern. Like you try to break the pattern and you get sucked right back into it. Patterns like always choosing partners who have some limitation, like they can't be with you or you get to be their intermediary, their teacher, their interpreter. I knew somebody like that who was always dating people who didn't speak the local language and was always explaining the culture and the language to them. But it was like every relationship, right? That looked to me like a pattern, a negative one. But a codependent wants to be helpful. That's what kind of, you know, gives them juice. But because they're forcing a situation rather than responding naturally to the occasional need for help that others have, codependents often end up feeling resentful. They feel taken for granted because they do so much more than the other person. It's not reciprocated. No one asked them to do it, but in, in a codependent's mind, it's like, it's mathematical. I did this, you owe me. And, and, and the other people don't appreciate or value what that codependent is doing for them. They might not even like it. 
the codependent can't see. This is their project. They weren't asked to do this. They're the ones who wanted to be seen and to feel themselves as like the hero, the one who understands, I understand you, the one who defends the underdog, the one who makes excuses for them because, you know, they're just so empathic and kind-hearted and codependent. <laughs> and this gives the codependent you know, that feeling of, of like helping and saving people who can't help themselves or who they think can't help themselves, you know, it gives a sense of purpose. It's an identity, at least for a little while, because, you know, why is that necessary? Because there really isn't that identity in there. They never got a chance to develop it when they were little. And it makes it way too easy to settle for something that's not really any good now. So codependence is not a happy way to live life. It often brings on health problems, money problems, problems on the job. You try to show what a good job you can do and it never gets appreciated. That's, that's how it works. That can happen because of other people. That's possible, but it can also happen when a person isn't able to be self-reflective and acts like a busybody or a critic or gets controlling with other people. That doesn't lead to success on the job. It's not a good energy for working with the team. It's like having an addiction, though I'm not sure that codependence and addiction are really the same thing. It's subtle, it's hard to put your finger on. And like all forms of emotional healing, trauma healing, recovering from codependence requires an, a, a, just an astonishing capacity to face honestly what's happening, to tolerate the unfolding of life in all the ways that you can't control, that you couldn't see before, that sometimes is a little unpleasant. You might not feel good about yourself in certain cases, but you need to be able to tolerate that and look at it and go, okay, yeah, I did that. And I'm interested in changing. To heal, you need a way to be able to see what's happening in your life, where you may be forgetting to care for yourself, or you may be dumbing down your integrity as a person, you know, or throwing all your energy away on some project person, hurting your relationships. You can use calming techniques that make it safer to just face where the problem might be. Is it someone in your life? Is it you? Is there something you want to change? These are good questions to ask yourself. They often don't have simple answers. They require reflection, talking to others, seeking support. They're honest questions and healing comes when you can gently open up to ask them and to set to work on healing what you find. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.